J. Oswald Sanders says in his book, Spiritual Leadership, Nehemiah is one of the most inspiring leaders in the Bible. Commentator Tony Evans states that Nehemiah provides a study in great leadership. So in this season, we're going to study Nehemiah together. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, welcome back, everyone, to the Leadership Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Daniel Williams, and it is so good to be back with you all. We typically have season breaks, but uh, man, this has been a more longer break than expected, Uh, which, by the way, we have three complete seasons uh, for you binge content listeners. You can go back and get great content, but we're moving forward uh, in season four. Um, The reason why this break was so long is due to the fact of a worldwide pandemic. Uh, Did any of you have your plans changed as well? Because I did. And one of the verses I tried to memorize from the very start of this pandemic was Proverbs 16.9. It says, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. This was and still is a season of remaining flexible and trusting God with our plans. Um, And we need to just make sure that we're trusting the Lord. You know, Chuck Smith always used to say, blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. Blessed are the flexible for they will not be broken. And we as church leaders are going to need to remain flexible to remain unbroken, having our strength on the Lord and not in our own plans. And so I'm doing that with this new format this season uh, to continue to encourage and equip you. As you probably noticed, I switched uh, from a video to just audio. It's an audio podcast now. Uh, one of the reasons for this is the amount of work it takes for video and uploading it um, and doing all this different stuff. And I be honest with you, I was just overdoing it in this season. As many of us pivoted during COVID-19, we met as a church online. I used video a lot and still do. This takes a lot of time, a lot of energy, and I'm doing a lot of videos, including live devotions at my church with a lot of uh, different things, producing video content for other pastors, projects, and helping people out in this season. And so I don't have enough bandwidth to be able to uh, make these video podcast, but I can speak into a microphone and get you the content that God has been teaching me. And so I wanted to get season four going. So I had to adjust, had to be flexible and I'm doing this audio podcast to be wise with my time. So rather than delaying on a season, uh, which has already been a little longer than what I would want or expect, uh, I'm just remaining flexible, you know? Teaching, teaching myself these principles that I'm learning. Uh, you know, it's said that methods are many and principles are few. Methods always change, but principles never do. And the goal of this podcast is still the same, to encourage and equip you and know that this is this method, uh, even though it's different, we can still achieve our goals. Uh, you see, we still get, you'll still get the summaries, quotes, resources, all at eeleaders.com. The website is still up. And as we roll through this new season, we have... Uh, Uh, 22 episodes planned where we'll be studying the great book of Nehemiah together. You know, I've always loved the book of Nehemiah and have learned so much from this book. As the pandemic hit, 
There was so much uncertainty and frustration with how really fluid things were. Um, it actually caused me to go back to God's word and his secure eternal word uh, for stability. I used Nehemiah to build me up during that pandemic season uh, for leadership, to remind myself of the eternal truths of God and principles. Because although I had never lived through a pandemic, something like COVID-19, none of us really expected or lived uh, to live through something like this and this situation, um, I knew that I could learn the eternal, um, godly leadership principles from God's word and just look back uh, to what God has told us and how to lead in hard times. And so I gleaned a lot of wisdom uh, and did a deep dive in this book of Nehemiah. And that's what I want to do this season is share some of the things God has taught me and be able to uh, pour into you through the book of Nehemiah. Um, I also was able to practically um, practice uh, teaching this content uh, during the pandemic to um, a local school staff here in our area in South Florida. I serve on the board at Lake Worth Christian School and uh, was the interim campus pastor last year. Yes, during a pandemic, I took on another responsibility. <sighs> Just another reason for delayed release of this season. But I did that because there was a great need and I wanted to pour into leaders that were making a difference in our area and school teachers, especially during COVID, had a really rough time. And so I was able to pour into them, serve not only them, but the hundreds of students in middle school and high school and do their devotions. Like I said, doing a lot of video, those type of things. And God was able to bless that and use that. And he used that to teach me a lot as well. And so, um, Man, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to walk with that staff on leadership principles from the book of Nehemiah. And so now I want to pass those leadership principles on to you in this season as well. I want to build you up in your leadership and really focus on principles that can help continue you lead. And I think having our time focus on this one book uh, together will really be a blessing. And so I'll be doing uh, short leadership lessons from this book every episode. You can you can rely on finding uh, godly content and Bible studies here on this podcast. I will do my best to present the things that God has taught me and what I want you, what I want to pass on to you through God's word. Um, you know, as I did a deep dive, I was reading another great book on Nehemiah, uh, Hand Me Another Brick by Chuck Swindoll. And he said this about Nehemiah. He said, Nehemiah, although an ordinary man underneath, immerses as one of the most significant leaders in history. He was highly motivated to do a job for God that had many difficult circumstances surrounding it. I know things have gotten more difficult for most of us leading in a church in the last few years, whether it be the race issues, our world, the politics, uh, a pandemic. There's been so much discussion and stuff going on. But here's what I want to remind you today is that God has us here for a reason. In this season, God has us uh, here for a specific reason. And just as God used Nehemiah, this ordinary man, he wants to use you and I, me and you to bring him glory, to serve him, to equip people and encourage people and make disciples. And so I pray that this podcast would bless you, would serve you, would encourage you. And one last format change that I have, not only just audio, uh, video to audio, um, but I, I do, I'm really excited for this season because it's not only giving me an opportunity to teach a lot more, um, but I have a special guest for the whole season my dad, Pastor Joe Williams, to pour into you as well. You know, one of the 
favorite things about this podcast for me anyway is how I learn from others. It's amazing when I look back and even preparing this new season to see all the amazing guests that this podcast has hosted. Uh, Some of the heroes of the faith that are alive right now that I respect, that I care for, man, they've been incredibly gracious and poured amazing content into this community. And I've learned just as much, if not more, than all of you listening. And so whether it be the interviews, guest lessons, or even that beautiful piece, the segment, one piece of advice videos that we've highlighted, it's been amazing for me to have um, other men and women share their godly leadership principles, their lessons that they've learned and pour into me and to you. Uh, And so in this season, as I'm studying and doing a deep dive in devotions in Nehemiah, I wanted to have someone else come in and pour into you. And so I'm introducing a new segment. It's called Pastor's Perspective. Pastor's Perspective with Pastor Joe Williams, my dad. This season, instead of gleaning wisdom from a whole bunch of different people. I wanted to do a deep dive, not only in this book, but then glean from my dad, just one person. And so I was able to spend a few days with him in Washington over the summer and uh, just uh, took this time to learn from him, to ask him questions and his thoughts on Nehemiah. Uh, You know, he's been pastoring for 40 years now at Calvary Chapel in Tacoma. Basically my entire life, I've known my father as a pastor, as my pastor, uh, my spiritual father. And I have learned so much from him and his example. He serves on our church board here at Redemption Church in Delray Beach as an advisory pastor. And I respect his leadership and wisdom in life a lot. So I thought it would be fun to have you all get to know him and have his pastor's perspective of these topics, specifically speaking to church leaders about these things as we cover certain topics in Nehemiah. Uh, He, on the other hand, did not think it was this fun at first. You see, he's never done anything like this, okay? Um, you know, he, he I had to set his stuff up for uh, Facebook and live videos and all this different stuff during the pandemic, uh, you know, and, and so I had to really ask him to pray about it and to encourage him to go for it in sharing his life experiences and wisdom. Uh, he didn't know if his perspective would be helpful, but after prayer, he was really excited to do it, and I could even see during these interviews, he's starting to have fun. He started to get a flow get back into it. Now you have to understand it's not just he didn't think he had content. I specifically would ask him questions and he had no idea what I was asking him. Um, I brought all my recording equipment up to Tacoma, Washington, interviewed my dad in my childhood home for three days straight. And um, throughout the whole process, I didn't give him any notes. I just wanted him to be honest and first to his mind, the, just the overflow of his heart to answer the topics and questions. And wow, The man is full of wisdom. He's full of insight. There is true gold in this interview. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't only doing this for this podcast, but simply just gave me a context and created space for me to learn from uh, one of the heroes of of faith, my father, uh, to be able to continue to learn and to grow. And um, so I would just ask him questions and I would just listen and let me... um, Uh, be clear. He didn't know what I was asking. And so that takes a lot of courage, a lot of faith to step out and say, Hey, uh, you know, I told him, I I believe that God wants to use you and speak 
to this generation and my community and this uh, church leaders and just your wisdom. You've been faithful for 40 years. You've walked with God and see faithfulness. Share stories, share God's stories. And man, he did. And so I'm really excited um, to share those with you. And so I will teach a, a section from the book of Nehemiah each episode. And then I'll interview my dad, Joe, uh, to follow up and sort of help us process these important lessons. And I'm so looking forward to having you learn these leadership lessons with me. So that's the setup and the plan for where we're going this season. We're back, baby. It's time for a new season, 22 episodes. This is season one of studying Nehemiah together, and it should be a great season together. And we'll release each episode uh, a week at a time, and we'll just grow together. I thought it would be a great start to just simply interview my dad and introduce him to you all. And so this interview is a little longer than the usual 20-minute interview, but I knew that I would be a little short on my uh, introduction today and wanted you to just get a proper introduction of my dad, Pastor Joe Williams. So enjoy this new segment, Pastor's Perspective. Join us for a conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, hey, everyone, I'm here in Tacoma, Washington with my dad, Joe Williams, and excited to share his story with you and pastoral experience of over 40 years. And so let's get right into it. Uh, I'll be referring you to daddy a lot in these questions and interviews, but, you know, that's okay. Uh, First off, start with your story and your testimony. How did you get saved? How did you come to know the Lord? And um, how did you meet Jesus? Well, from a very young age, I grew up in the church. Uh, I was very religious. I was very religious. I went to church every Wednesday night. I went to church every Sunday, Sunday night, uh, but I still did not have a relationship with Christ. I was very religious, but I was very lost. And I knew there was something missing. Um, My parents made me go to church. I really didn't want to go, but I knew that uh, I wanted to be obedient to them and um, I um, always felt that I was very empty inside. Although I was in church, uh, the church I went to, they never really gave an altar call. So um, I never really knew how to come to Christ. I never knew how to be saved uh, because the word of God was not preached from the pulpit. So I thought I was a Christian and I really wasn't. If anyone were to ask me if I was a a Christian, I would have said yes. I really felt like I was, but I was not a believer until um, I went to Costa Mesa, California in 1978. uh, And I heard the gospel, really the gospel for the first time in 1978. My wife and I went down uh, the same night. We got saved the same night. We both kind of looked at each other like... We kind of knew that we were lost when the gospel was preached. She was Catholic and I was Methodist, but neither one of us was really saved. And uh, we went to Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, 1978, and uh, we got saved. After I got saved, um, we started 
Street Witnessing, uh, Hollywood, California, and, and uh, Long Beach, California, at the beaches and everything, and sharing the gospel. And um, God blessed that. And after that, um, 1982, we got called to uh, Tacoma, Washington, to start a church. I thought I would never leave California. I thought I would never go to, especially Tacoma, Washington, because Tacoma, Washington have a very bad name. There's a lot of violence here, a lot of gangs here. There's a lot of drugs here. Hey, hey, this is my hometown, man. You can't be talking about the <laughs> ghetto like that. <laughs> hey, I'm just telling you Some what Some of it us is. made it. Yeah, we made it. <laughs> God told me to go to Tacoma. I didn't even know how to get here. Uh, I had to ask somebody how to get out here, and people told me how to get to Tacoma, Washington. I didn't know anybody in Tacoma, Washington. I never, I never really came to start the church. I came to help somebody else start the church. I never really set out to be a pastor. I never really prayed about that. I never really sought that. I never, I never thought that I would be sharing my testimony today of the things that happened to me and how I got called because that was not on my mind at all. I told God that's the last thing that I want to do is to be a pastor, but God had other plans. So in 1982, I came out here with someone else, and they was a pastor. He was the pastor, and I was the um, just doing the music for him. I never set out to, do, uh, to be a senior pastor, but when he left, um, I had, you know, uh, God laid on my heart, say, you know, uh, if you want to take the leadership position and if you want to be a pastor, which I really didn't because I had never taught before. I had never taught the Bible before in my life. I didn't know what to say. I was young. I was inexperienced. I didn't know what to do. Um, we had about 90 adults at the time. And uh, when I became pastor, uh, most people started leaving because I was so new and I was so green. I didn't know what I was doing. It was very obvious. I really didn't. Uh, and I just told people if they wanted to leave, uh, uh, they could go. They could leave because I don't know where this church is going. I I'm not sure how it's going to pan out. Uh, I won't hold it against you if you want to leave. Well, when I said that, about 70 people left. I never had that happen before. Already, we had 90 adults when I became pastor. Within three months, I was down to 15. Now, that's a, that's a humbling experience. But those 15 people that stayed in the church said, you know what? We see your heart. We know you're inexperienced, and we know you never taught before, but we're going to support you. So those 15 people, they supported me, and I started teaching the Gospel of John. I started teaching the Gospel of John, and... Uh, my first sermon, I was so scared. My first sermon only lasted 15 minutes. Well, to, to be exact, about 12. Um, <laughs> I had studied like 40 hours for this sermon because I was so scared. I wanted, I wanted to do so well. I wanted to, be, I wanted to be so fired up, and I had it all figured out what I was going to say, and I got out there, and I was so nervous, and I ran out of things to say in about 12 minutes. I didn't know what else to say. And then I was so embarrassed. I just felt, I just, um, tears just came, you know. I was so embarrassed. I didn't know what to say. And uh, man, you know, uh, I gave an altar call and I looked up and there was seven people standing in front of me 
and they were crying too, and they got saved. The first sermon, <laughs> the first sermon, 12 minutes, very, I mean, it was awful. It was bad. Uh, you know, God can use our imperfections. None of us are perfect. All of us are going to make mistakes. And uh, my first sermon that I was so, I felt so uh, like a failure. I said, if I ever get out of this pulpit again, I will never, I will never go back out there and teach another Bible study. Well, you never tell God what you're not going to do. That's one lesson you got to learn. You never say never. So when those seven people got saved, that was very encouraging for me. And uh, from that, I started teaching and teaching and teaching. And uh, now it's been 40 years. I've been teaching the word and I'm still growing. I'm still learning. But it goes to show you that God used the foolishness of the world to confound the wise. And, and, and it's like God is not looking for uh, perfection. He has to use the people that he has because that's all he has is imperfect people. But he wants to receive the glory. He wants us to realize that apart from him, we can do nothing. So that's kind of what my testimony, uh, a little bit with my testimony, that I came to Christ in 82, and I just grew from there. And God just used my, uh, the little bit I had. I didn't have much to give, but God used the little bit I had. And he took that and he blessed it and here I am today, 40 years later. And Never would have thought it. 40 years later, have you taught through the entire Bible yet? Not the entire Bible, but I will say 90% of it. I've taught through 90% of it. You ever teach through Ezekiel? No. <laughs> Neither have I. <laughs> <laughs> but I've read that thing. I've, I've read, read it. Thing. I've read it, but I never taught through it, no. And then from taking over a church, a church plant, basically, um, how has it been ever since then? What are some some things you've grown in the last 40 years as far as like uh, now you actually taught through books of the Bible. Uh, I remember growing up, we did a lot of set up and tear down a lot of different locations. Uh, you have your own building now. How are things going now for you? Well, things are going good now, but it hasn't always been that way. You know, uh, uh, we have our own building right now, but for 20 years we didn't. We had to go in. You know, set up chairs, set up the sound system. When we get when we get done with the service, we had to take the sound system back down, put the chairs away. Um, but God's taught us, you know, we have to uh, to serve, and He also taught that that ministry is not easy. It's not an easy road. It's not an easy call. Uh, you have to do what it takes. If you have to go in and set up sound system and take it down, that's what you have to do. And uh, that's what we did for 20 years. And I've learned, I've learned to be obedient, although I don't understand what God is doing at the time. Um, I've learned that even when God is silent, he's still working behind the scenes and he's still working. Although you don't understand sometimes what he's doing, but if you will stay faithful, uh, God will bless your faithfulness. So... You know, we kind of harden ourselves. We make mistakes, yes. We fall short, yes. But, you know, God's grace will cover that. If you will just stay faithful to the call, you'll find out that he will bless it. So just be encouraged. Don't give up. And over this season, we're going to pick your brain a lot and ask you a lot of questions 
Uh, no right or wrong answers, just things you think about in your experiences, because I know you got a lot of stories and stuff to share and wisdom. Um, and as we study Nehemiah, what are some important lessons that stand out to you from this book? Obviously, it's the leadership book, but what are some things that stand out to you just first and foremost from the book of Nehemiah? Well, the first and foremost thing stands out was he was a man of prayer. You know, uh, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So you're going to have to get your strength from him. You know, people come in, they go out, they come and go. Um, but if you would just be a person of prayer and seek him, God will fill you with himself. God will fill you, fill you with the strength to continue to go on. Um, you know, you can read Nehemiah too. He faced opposition. Um, in ministry, you're going to face opposition. I mean, no question about it. You're going to have people that's for you. You're going to have people that's not for you. But you're not... You're not there to be a people pleaser. You're there to be a God pleaser because you cannot please everyone all the time. And you can drive yourself nuts trying to. It took me years to learn that. Uh, it will take away your joy. It will take away your peace. You will not be happy in your ministry as long as you're trying to please people because people are fickle. Uh, people leave. People get upset. Uh, People do things that hurt sometimes, but you have to just keep going and try to please the Lord. And in your leadership, you can't, you can't be afraid to make a decision, knowing that your decision is not going to please everyone. But again, you're trying to please Christ. It's him who you have to give an account to. You haven't got to give an account to people. On that day, you want to hear Jesus say, well done, good and thou faithful servant. You know, we all must face the judgment seat of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5.10, to give an account of himself. God is not going to ask you to give an account of anybody else but yourself. So if you're a pastor, if you're a leader, if you're a servant, whatever you are, you want to please Christ. And if you please Christ, uh, seems like you're not pleasing people. And when you're pleasing people, it seems like you're not pleasing Christ. So you got to pick and choose who you're trying to please. Yeah, and there's many more things that are going to stand out to us, and we're going to systematically go through slowly this book and the completion of the wall and get those nuggets and wisdom and learn from you. But, you know, Romans 15, 4 says these things were written for our learning and our instruction that we may have encouragement and hope. One of the things that EE leaders we try to do is encourage and equip leaders. Nehemiah is one character in the Bible we're going to do a deep dive in, but what's one of your favorite Bible characters in the Bible, like one that maybe has shaped you and influenced you, whether it be Peter or Jonah or uh, another person in the Bible that you've learned a really important lesson from and you really like looking at? Well, my favorite one probably, um, I, would, I would say Paul, I would guess. I mean, in the New Testament, um, in the New, Paul was, uh, you know, he was called by the Lord. You know, he said he was the chief of sinners. Um, but Paul preached the gospel and Paul counted the cost. And Paul faced a lot of hardship, but he kept going. Uh, Jesus said no man can put his hand to the plow and look back because he's not even fit for the worthy of God, for the cause of God if he does that. So I would say Paul, you know, he faced opposition. And what a lot of people don't realize, just because you in God's will, as with Nehemiah, Nehemiah faced opposition. Uh, you can be in the will of God, you're still going to face opposition uh, because, you know, our enemy, the adversary, does not want the scripture preached. He does not want people saved. He does not want the gospel preached. So just because you face opposition doesn't mean that 
you are necessarily doing anything wrong. You could be doing something right. And Satan is trying to discourage you and trying to stop you. And I've found, I've been a pastor 40 years and I've found out too, our church has always been small. I'm in Washington State where, in Washington State, you have a lot of churches here, but they're mostly small churches, 25 to 50 people. Uh, you don't have many, you might have three mega churches in the whole city, but the rest of the churches here are very small. Uh, in Washington State, most people don't go to church here. They don't go to church here. Uh, it's just beautiful out here. Do you have hunting and fishing? And you see people going to, to the lake on Sunday mornings, and, and they're going hunting and fishing. They don't have a least concern about going to church. So Washington State, it's really a lot of spiritual warfare out here. Um, but just because a person has a small church does not mean that that church is ineffective. You can be a small church and still be effective for Christ. Just because you're bigger doesn't make you better. So you have to stay true to who God has, has called you to minister to and, and, and not compare your church to someone else's church. Because what God is doing in one church, he could, he could be doing something totally new and different in another church. So the Holy Spirit hasn't got to work the same way in every single church. So you got to be praying how God wants to use you where you are. And yes, you know, it's hard sometimes, but it's very rewarding. And you know, in the end, uh, God is going to reward you for your faithfulness. So just stick to it. You know, sometimes you see fruit, sometimes you don't. You know, sometimes things happen, trials come. You, you didn't predict those things coming. You didn't see those things coming. But, you know, still, no matter how you feel, you still go out and you preach. Because as many times, um, I don't feel like going out preaching. I don't feel like studying, but I do it anyway because I'm called to do that. So we're not walking by feeling what we feel to do. We're walking by faith, not by sight. So no matter how you feel, uh, if you only got 20 people, so be it. If you only got 10 people, so be it. You still should be, or try to be the best pastor you can to those 20 people or those 10 people or whatever it is that God has given you. So just be faithful and keep teaching the word. If we do that, uh, we know the word is gonna bring forth fruit in people's lives, people grow, and and that's why you know most most Calvary's they go verse by verse expository teaching because you know without the word of God the church is not going to grow. They have methods now uh, that you can books. They have books now that you can buy to help grow your church. Uh, all these different methods and all these different methods to make your church grow, but you know. Um, I don't believe in that. Uh, you know, if you start with method, with methods, you're going to have keep the methods going to keep your church moving. You got to always come up with a new method all the time to keep your church uh, together and to try to keep your church growing. But if you just teach the word of God, it's a much slower uh, to build a church by the word of God. It's much slower, but it's a stronger foundation. When a church is built on the word of God, the foundation is strong. But when a church is built, is built on man's methods, uh, then that church is very weak. So, you know what Jesus told Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, you want to teach the word and that church is built on the word and you're going to have uh, a very, very strong foundation with your believers, with the, with the church. Hmm. And that's what Paul did. He laid that foundation and kept on preaching. One of the greatest preachers in the New Testament. I think he wrote around 13 books of the Bible yeah. and uh, planted churches and 
from big churches to like Antioch or Tyrannus in two years, all over the place. Yeah. So Paul's a New Testament character. How has Nehemiah, an Old Testament character, shaped your leadership? Uh, we're going to talk about things that stand out to you in prayer and stuff, but is, is there something specific that when you look at the book of Nehemiah that has really shaped your leadership or you can look back and say, yeah, I... I learned that or I, I apply that in my life. This this principle is really important from this key, this character. Well, Nehemiah was very obedient. Uh, when when God laid on, laid on his heart to build the walls, he he were obedient and he stepped out. Uh, he stepped out. Now, that wall was built in 52 days, which was totally impossible. Without God's help, that was totally impossible to build, to do what he did in 52 days. That was impossible to do. But he did it because God was in it, and, and God laid on his heart to do it. But Nehemiah was faithful to the call. Nehemiah kept going. Nehemiah was, he was full of prayer. He, he was full of faith, and he trusted God all the way. That what, that what faith is, is trusting God, although you don't understand. And the, the Bible says, lean not to your own understanding. There's a lot of things you're not supposed to understand. But if you really trust God, he's got this. So if you walk with him and spend that time with him, I think God is going to give you the faith to continue, but don't try to do it alone. And Nehemiah also, uh, he, he was a leader, yes, but he, he delegated things to people. He didn't do it all by himself. Nehemiah delegated things to people. Um, and you'll find out, too, as a pastor, you know, it might be very humbling to some pastors, but you don't have all the gifts. Other people have gifts also in your fellowship that God has put in your fellowship to help you. So you don't want to try to do it all alone. Nehemiah didn't build the walls all by himself. He delegated, and uh, together they worked together as a team, and the wall was built in 52 days. So you have to you have to realize you don't have all the gifts, but you have to realize who does have the gifts and delegate things to him or to her. And you'll get a lot more things accomplished than trying to do it by yourself. It's that many, many hands make the loads much lighter. So this is not a one man show. Yes, God has put you for the pasture, but God will also bring people into your uh, congregation, into your church that has been gifted in different areas that you can delegate things to, uh, delegate different tasks to, and they will be able to help you carry the load. So with Nehemiah, that's what he did. That's why it was built so fast. He didn't do it alone. He didn't try to do it alone. Well, here's a fun fun thing for you. Uh, J. Oswald Sanders says, Nehemiah is one of the most inspiring books uh, or inspiring leaders in the Bible. Tony Evans, who has a great commentary of the Bible, said Nehemiah provides a study in great leadership. What do you say about this book of Nehemiah? Just to, you know, whet our appetites here. Nehemiah is a, a great, it's a great uh, book on leadership. You know, it teaches us prayer. It teaches us faith. It teaches us uh, to delegate. Uh, it teaches us to trust. You know, Nehemiah, uh, he didn't have all the answers Nehemiah, he had to trust Christ, but Nehemiah was faithful and true to what God put on his heart. It was God that put on his heart to build the walls in the first place, and he, and he took a step. He took a step of faith, 
And you'll find, too, that God put things on your heart and you have to take a step to faith. As, as the old saying goes, you have to you have to step out to find out. You you can you know, I'm, I'm, he was a time of uh, Nehemiah was a person of prayer, but he, you know, prayer is great. But you pray to a certain to a certain point. But at some point, you got to step out. At some point, you got to move out. You can't sit there and pray, pray and pray forever when God has laid something on your heart. Um, you have to step out in faith. I know when we bought our first building, uh, we, you know, like I said, we went 20 years without a building. We met at, you know, schools or community centers or wherever we could. And when this building became open, we in now, when this uh, building became available, we in now, uh, you know, they wanted uh, $275,000 for this building. It was on two acres, nice piece of property, and they um, they wanted $275,000. Well, we only had $20,000. So I go to the bank to try to get the rest of the down payment. They wanted $60,000 down, and we only had twenty. So I'm thinking, okay, now how am I going to get $40,000? Because I went to the bank and they refused me. They said, do you have the down payment? I said, no. But they said, well, do you have any collateral? I said, nope. They said, you have any church vans, any property? I said, nope. Well, they said, well, how do you expect to buy the building? I said, well, God told us about a building. You know, the guy kind of laughed, you know, like, yeah, right, you know. But um, the same day that I was going to buy the building, uh, the pastor of that church met with me. He said, here's the property. I would love for you to have it. So I says, I don't have the money to get it. I got $20,000. You know, I was sitting there talking to the pastor, and the same day, within a half an hour later, Jehovah Witnesses pulled up with a check for $275,000, the same day. And I'm thinking, well, there's no way I'm going to get this building. Well, the pastor said, well, uh, I'm not going to sell it to them. God told me to sell it to you. I go, well, I don't have the money. The pastor says, I know. He said, but uh, God told me to sell a building to you. So I'll go back to the church and tell them my, my fellowship. I told my body, I told my church, I says, hey, you know, we have a chance about this building, but we need 40 grand. So if you guys want it, we, got to, we only got a couple of months to come up with it, 40 grand. And sure enough, in two months, we had 40 grand. So I went back and put the $60,000 down and then um, we got the building. And then when I got the building, uh, people would begin to leave. They said, there's no way we can afford this building. There's no way. The payment is $1,559 a month. You only got 25 people. How are we going to pay $1,500 a month? And people were leaving like crazy. But you know, God provided uh, there were times I would go to a Agape Box. I would go to a Agape Box on a Sunday, and, uh, you know, we would, I don't count the money, but my elders count the money because I don't deal with the money. I don't want to have anything to do with it. I don't want to be accused of stealing the money, so I don't count the money. I don't deposit the money, anything about it. But uh, a couple of times, uh, we went, they went to the Agape Box anyway, and they had two checks for uh, $20,000 a piece, forty grand. I'm thinking, and they come running to me and say, hey, look how much we got today. You know, look how much the offering was today. And, I, you know, I looked at it, I thought it was $200. I never seen a check for $20,000 in my life. You know, they says, you better look again. This is $20,000. I go, what? $20,000. So 
twice, you know, we got two checks for $20,000, bought the church, and people said this can't be of God because we're not, we're not going to be able to afford it. And they said this is not of the Lord. And, you know, I've had people tell me, say, you know, this church won't last six months, man. You know, people can be so cold sometimes. They said this church won't last six months. Six months. You mean to tell me you got 20 people and you're going to make a payment of $1,559 a month. But, you know, we never missed a payment. And do you know so much money came in until we were making double payments on the church and we paid the church off in 15 years. So, and a lot of the people that left, they begin to trickle back in because it's, it's like sometimes people, I don't know, sometimes to me they want to see you fail, you know, but, but God provided and he's faithful. But Nehemiah, he kept going in spite of the opposition. He kept moving forward. And you will never see God's hand in your ministry, in your life as a believer unless you move forward. And you got to have faith, for that, but without faith it's impossible to please him. So we're going to have to trust him. We don't have all the answers, but he does. And if we trust him, he knows what your needs are. He knows where you are. He knows where your church is. He knows the situation and the circumstance. He just wants you to trust him and to step out and do what he called you to do. Well, there's a lot of people in this season, especially, I guess I want to say post-COVID, but we're still in the midst of this season. And it keeps on coming back and things going and we don't know what's going to happen in the future. A lot of people have been discouraged. They want to give up. And so let's just end with this. What are some words of encouragement you would give to leaders, um, whether they're senior pastors to, man, just people even scared to go back to the building, to children's workers. A lot of people in this season are just having a hard time with mental health, with discouragement. Um, what would you say to them to give them a little bit of hope, encouragement, to keep on going, to keep on um, following God and doing the things that God's called them to do. I think, you know, a leader, you got to be stable. You know, a double-minded man's unstable in all of his ways. You can't, you got to be, people got to see stability right now from their leaders. Okay, we preach it. We, we talk about faith. We say we trust Christ. Well, do we really? As a leader, uh, you got to be stable. You got to continue to do what you've always done. You got to continue to preach. You know, it reminds me of uh, Timothy. You know, when Paul writes to Timothy, he said, uh, preach the word, be in season and out. You know, reprove and rebuke with all long suffering because a time will come when people will not want to hear sound doctrine. They'll run to teach it with itching ears. We see that today. We see people running to teach it with itching ears. But you know what? A leader, he has to stay true to the scripture. It doesn't matter who comes. Whoever's supposed to be there will be there. And some people, you don't want to be there. But anyway, I want the people, I told people, I want people who God has called to this fellowship. And if God has called you to another fellowship, it's no hard feelings. But a leader has to be stable. His faith has to be strong. He has to have faith in Christ in the good times and in the bad. And the bad's going to come. So when the, Paul told Timothy, and you know, Paul could have said anything else. Second Timothy, that was his last book before he passed away. And he could have said anything else. He could have told Timothy to go preach politics. He could have called, he could have told Timothy to go preach psychology, psychology or philosophy or whatever. But he said, Timothy, preach the word. Preach the word. That's what you do. 
We are not responsible for the results. Once you give that message, once you pray over your message and you deliver that message, you are not responsible for the outcome. You are uh, just responsible just delivering the message. As the, as the late J. Vernon McGee used to say, he said he just was a messenger boy. That's all he was, a messenger boy. He just delivered a message. And he let the chips fall as they may. Uh, you know, you can't change people's lives. The word of God will. God never called us as pastors to change people's lives. That's the Holy Spirit's job, not your job. Do what you're supposed to do. You give it out. And people who really want to receive, they will. And people that don't, then they won't. But that's not your responsibility. You just keep doing what you're doing because eventually the word is going to take fruit. It's going to, take, it's going to bear forth fruit in people's lives. And I tell you, you know, it's, it's real easy to, uh, especially now in the pandemic, to give up and to quit. But I think it's time now to preach harder now more than ever. Because we don't bag down. We don't quit. The pandemic don't scare us. We still got to go out every Sunday, and you still got to preach the word. You know, when I was a new pastor, I was, I was so encouraged, you know, when I had a good crowd on Sunday mornings. I was just so encouraged. Well, it never was that great, but, you know, it was a little better than what it usually was. And I was so encouraged, and I was to tell my wife, we had a pretty good, pretty good crowd today. You know, we talking on the way home and everything, and... Boy, I was so encouraged. I had like 40 people. I'm going, wow, 40 people. Man, that's a lot, you know, because I was only used to having like 20. But um, the next Sunday I would go out, I only had 15. So in the good, when I had a good crowd, my faith was strong. And when I had a small crowd, my, my faith was weak. And the Holy Spirit said, stop that. Stop doing that. You don't look on who's here and who's not here. You preach to whoever's here. You minister to whoever is here and you uh, keep preaching the word and you're not responsible for who's here and who's not. You're not here to change people's lives. You're not here to convict. You're not here to change people's lives. You are here to give it out, give the word of God out. And, and that's, and that's uh, all you're supposed to do. You've done your job. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders.